than other people sometimes. Oh, I feel like I haven't talked to you in ages. Because it has been ages. A week or two weeks it is too long. Ages. I, d- I mean, if you're listening to this, please note that I do text Nehera every day. Mm-hmm. It's just nothing beats face to screen. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> um, you might have heard we've got a new theme song. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's very exciting. Uh, the lovely Lauren did that for us. We've had a whole rebrand. Very exciting. I love the new colours. It's very calming. We wanted to go for that same calming. So like when it's on your phone screen, you can be like, ah, oh, not having it yeah. on. Chill, zen. That's the vibe. Let us know if it works <laughs> or if you're like still stressed. We can, we can only do so much. Um, so big news in the film world. Cinemas are reopened. Uh, I know. How do you feel about it? Well, I'm not going yet because... I'm still not comfortable with like being in the mm. room full of people that don't know breathing mm-hmm. on like a normal basis, not just like world pandemic. Um, and also nothing. I mean, nothing's out, so they're just rescreening old films. I know Parasite's showing. I think they're showing um, Birds of Prey. Oh, cool. Um, so yeah. I mean, what yeah. about you? Are you gonna, are you gonna run to no, go back? I'm not even gonna like. I'm not even gonna walk. Um, yeah I don't want to go back anytime soon no. and I know you got the email too from View Cinema where it's like Tenet's coming out on August 26 and I was like no is this like confirmed well I mean we got the email so I'm assuming so but I feel like mm. wrong move it's a very strange situation I mean I love mm. Christopher Nolan and he's one of the reasons why I wanted to get into film and there is a business element to this where if his film does well, his next film gets a larger budget and obviously Warner Brothers want it to do well because it's it's their project. Um, it's a bizarre thing. I know it's not a film that you could just pop online because of the experience of it. Yeah, It's a yeah. typical IMAX film, isn't it? The way it's been shot. But at the same time... I'm kind of like, what's? why can't we just push all new releases till next yeah. year? And I think what's really frustrating is this is the first Nolan film with a black lead, right? We can't we can't is? have that tank. Like, I really don't want that to tank. No. <laughs> I don't want anyone to use that as an excuse. It's like, people of colour don't sell movies. That's that's the thing, and it's horrible, but they would probably use it as yeah. an excuse. Well, you know, Tent didn't do well because John David Washington. I mean, for me, and I think Chloe from Screen Queen said something along the lines of this, it's been so nice not to stress about new releases. Yeah. And being able to think, watch things at your own pace and being able to just, you know, dip in and out of watch lists and try new things. Whereas when things were coming out every week, it does sound crazy. Yeah, it's not sustainable. Like, could you imagine that happening again? <laughs> I was so stressed out. I didn't realise I was stressed out about having to watch the next thing um, until this happened and there was nothing out. And I was like, oh, yeah. I can chill. But yeah, I didn't love it. No, it's weird. I mean, I know we keep talking about adapting to the new normal and I think that would be part of it where... Because I used to go to the cinema every single weekend and watch like three films a week. And that seems insane to me now. Yeah. <laughs> How many films do you think you've watched in like the past month? Oh, I can sh- I can tell you because I've been writing down... Um, I've been watching more TV than I have um, film over the last month, which is me interesting. Me too, actually. Yeah, I'm currently watching The Bold Type on um, Amazon. Which is about, What's that um, about three sort of millennium women played by Katie Stevens from Faking It, Aisha D, and I don't know if it's her name's probably Megan Fanny or Megan Farney, but like it's one of those. <laughs> it's like either <laughs> Megan Fanny or Megan Farney. Um, and they play three women Love who it. work at Scarlet Magazine, which is sort of like 
fictional cos- Cosmo. And yeah, it's really cool. It's about just millennials killing it and the issues with being sort of a young woman, a young professional. But um, back yeah. to your actual question, I have watched in the last <laughs> month, does Blackest King count? We have to talk about Blackest yeah, King. Yeah, I've watched maybe five films in the last month. Maybe six. That's that's the thing. It's chill, yeah. isn't it? I think I'm probably the same. Just catch it. I've literally I've put everything on my Netflix watch list into a letterbox watch mm. list uh, or letterbox list, which is really great because it, you can sort it by like time. So like you think right, I'm gonna watch the shortest film on my watch list, or I'm gonna watch the longest film on my yeah. watch list. And it's just been chill just to re- revisit those films because I don't think a lot has come out on streaming services that is brand new. Um, but yeah, TV shows. Mm. They're, they're easy. What have you been watching? They're nice. TV-wise. So I've been watching the Epstein documentary. Oh, yeah. Which is equal parts interesting, equal parts terrifying. Um, Lizzie McGuire. Of course. Hamilton, about oh, ten yeah. times. Oh, yeah. you have favourite song yet? <laughs> I flip So, like, I really love Satisfied. Mm. And I really love Helpless. Mm. Hurricane burn and then every now and then i'm like i just really want to listen to aaron burr okay for like ages so what about you what's your favorite town i know that's not always a popular one but i love you know terence malik no hercules terence (laughs) terence you thinking about um terence howard i think i was gonna say terence howard no um (laughs) i don't know why that happened but hercules mulligan's um rap verse in that song is incredible so i think that one's my favorite yeah See, that's the thing, because I'll put on, like, Satisfied, because it's, like, a yeah. pop song, like, amount, but I do like listening to the bigger ones. Like, what's the name of the finale of the season? Sorry, finale, finale of the season. season. Terrence I know, theatre. <laughs> finale of... Hamilton fans are listening right now, thinking, you They're literally idiots. screaming. Screaming. Oh, I also like Take yeah, a Break. that was a good one. Take a break. That's what I like to say to myself. <laughs> On a daily basis. I'm really sorry. I cannot it's find cool. it. Albums, albums, albums. Oh. Hold on. Oh, sorry. Love that. <laughs> that was not meant to happen. Um, also, wait for it. Oh. Leslie Odom Jr. Oh, Incredible Isn't he great? song. I want Amazing. him in more star. Non-stop. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who do you, do you like Ale- Angelica and Alexander or do you like Angelic or do you, oh no. Do you like Alexander and Eliza? Um, I'm not sure I like either of them. Ooh. I like both of them. I like, um, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I, lo- I love the women on, in the, musical on their own anyway like i just want only them there are times i'm like why can't this just be about them Mm. amazing i think uh lin-manuel miranda also said once he'd love to see a gender switch version which i think would be amazing i'm down anyway enough about hamilton we have to talk about this week's Mm -hmm. topic which is schitt's creek so schitt's creek really sadly come to an end i feel like it's too soon it's i know it's been six (laughs) years (laughs) It's just too soon. 
But we're going to talk about this show because it just absolutely blew everyone away. It was kind of like an underdog and then it just gave this gave this incredible momentum and fan base. And um, it was so positive by the LGBTQ community and it just, it just was great. So we're going to talk about that today. Neha, when did you start watching this show? Because you did watch it before me. I started when it was already two seasons done so I think I saw some trailers for season three on Twitter and then went to check it out on Netflix because again I don't think Netflix did a good job at advertising it no. I didn't see it anywhere up until it really started gaining momentum so yeah I think I started it when season three came out I started two years mm-hmm. ago I had the flu so I decided to watch this do you remember the flu when you just get ill and not yeah. be worried about dying and spreading it around and I couldn't get into it at first, but everyone had told me to watch it. So I was like, okay, I trust everyone's judgment, you included. And I just thought they were ridiculous. And I just had to keep watching. Yeah. And it's interesting because it did remind me at first of a reality TV mm. show. And Daniel Levy said that that was the inspiration behind it. So he was watching reality TV television. Watching reality TV <laughs> television. <laughs> Terrence Howard. <laughs> and he he, what basically what he said he wondered what it'd be like if one of those wealthy families like the kardashians what they'd be like if they lost all their money would they still be the kardashians would they still be like selfish and vapid and that's so interesting those kind of people i can see that and obviously eugene yeah and obviously eugene levy is very popular we know him from american pie so he basically made the location of Schitt's Creek really vague so it could be set in Canada and it could be set in America and they went out there and they kind of auctioned it to HBO and Showtime and ABC and CBC which is the Canada version and um, basically they sold it almost to ABC mm. but as it was an American broadcaster they decided against it because it created interference now we've seen a lot of this lately yeah. haven't we where people have turned down the likes of Netflix, Amazon to maintain creative yeah. control. That's interesting. And ABC are also notorious for like cancelling things without a valid enough reason. Oh, they're terrible. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah, I think if it was an ABC, it probably would have been cancelled. Hugely. Um, and yes, they ended up remaining in Canada, which I think is a good move because there's been a lot of good stuff from Canada because Orphan Black was Canadian, wasn't and it? And Kim's Convenience. And Kim's Convenience. It's strange because ca- with Canadian actresses and actors, you always there's always there's a lot mm. of them, and we know a lot about them. But when it comes to actual shows, productions, and films, we don't really touch base on it a lot. No, and I think we only touch base on Canadian actors and actresses, or just actors in general. You have to gender it um, until they start <laughs> coming in American movies. Like I don't know if I would. It's like Ryan Gosling and Ryan Reynolds and even like Joshua Jackson, if they were doing work in Canada, I don't know whether they'd be whether I'd have the same awareness of who they were and what their work was. That's a very good point. I think that makes Shit's Creek that much no, more was... special though. That it stayed Canadian. I think yeah. so too, because it was like you said, it was an underdog. It wasn't on a big network, it wasn't I mean like in the later seasons they do start using swear words and things like that but it was kind of the show that you couldn't really put it yeah. in a box because it was a little bit of everything 
Now, obviously, the show itself, I mean, I did a BBC interview and they cut out when I spoke about Shit's Creek because obviously it's Shit's Creek. Right. Oh, God, yeah, I remember this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of the, during development, a lot of the networks wanted um, Dan Levy to change the name of the show. And um, they basically said, no, it's a legitimate surname. And they actually photocopied pages from the phone book for people with the surname shit. Wow. And brought it to I the network. No I mean, I guess in the grand scape it probably is a surname, but I had no idea that it was such a... Wow, that's cool. Um, <laughs> but obviously it is called Shit's Greek. <laughs> and they've had to censor it in many places because I know that some people use the S as a dollar mm-hmm. sign, don't yeah. they? So that's the kind of way they do it. But then how would you call that? Dollar sign Kitts Creek? Shit dollar creek? Shit. Do you remember when Kesha came out and everyone was like, it's key dollar sign Yeah, isn't that a Glee thing as well? I think it is. Oh my God. (laughs) Amazing. I love when Glee finds its way into our home. Um, So yeah, that was the beginning of Shit's Creek. So there was a lot of like pushing and pulling when it comes to creative Mm. control. And that's why I really admire Dan Levy because I hadn't heard of him before Shit's Creek. And I really feel like he has built something incredible and he's really fought for his vision yeah, with it. Yeah, sure. I think he's brilliant. So let's talk about casting. Because mm. obviously the Shit's Creek cast, no one majorly famous. Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy are probably the most popular yes. people at the time. Obviously that's changed now. Um, so Catherine O'Hara was always the first choice for Maura Rose. And she actually turned it down interesting because she said she was lazy (laughs) and she didn't want to be on a long-term project which i think is really moira oh yeah for sure i can imagine catherine saying that in her moira voice oh no i can't do my voice actually i don't know why i even attempted that can you do that voice but neither can annie murphy remember when she tried to be um no that was so funny i loved it um but obviously, eventually, she agreed to be in the pilot with no obligation to continue in the role. Um, but then, luckily, she did, which was really great. And obviously, Dan and Eugene were obviously going to be the show. But when it comes to Alexis, mm-hmm. Annie Murphy was not offered the role originally. Oh, I didn't know that. So they had a whole different actress in the pilot. I had no idea. Well, I'm glad, well, I mean... So have you ever heard of Abby Elliott? No. She was on SNL. I've not mm. heard of her. Um, but yeah, she was um, She was off the roll. She was in the pilot. And then because of scheduling conflicts, which is like the template statement yeah. of whenever something happens, Annie Murphy could belong. And interestingly enough, Annie was just about to quit acting as she hadn't worked in two yeah, years. Yeah, and I think her house had burnt down just before... Um the show like just before she got the audition for Schitt's Creek her house her home had burned down like she was not in a good place at all oh my yeah. god so it was like a real like life changer I know we talk about roles being life changing but I feel like for her but like particularly it really kind of it came at exactly the like the right time hugely she said she had like three dollars in her bank account that is crazy I'm so glad. Just sometimes you just think, wow, like little things yeah. happen that just completely change lives. I'm so glad she got Not it. Not to get like all philosophical. No, it's true. <laughs> but 
But yeah, so she didn't get the role of Alexis. Um, Dan Levy didn't think that she would be able to do it because she didn't have blonde hair. So she then auditioned for Stevie. Could you imagine Annie Murphy as no. Stevie? <laughs> no. So strange. Um, and then, yes, yeah, so and then Dan- Daniel Levy convinced her that Murphy could dye her hair blonde and she became Alexis. It's so weird our hair colour can be like the determining factor yeah. sometimes, isn't it? Bizarre. Very bizarre. Emily Hampshire, who did play Stevie Blood, bless her. This is such a lovely story. So I'm not an actress, but as a director and producer, I've been there through plenty of auditions and I've seen actresses be nervous. I've seen them, you know, hyperventilate. I've seen them shake and it's such a horrible process. And I'm on the other side of it. Emily Hampshire, when she had an audition, she asked to send a taped audition because she didn't want to go to a real life audition because of her nerves and hive breakouts so eventually they agreed to get her there and she said that she literally cannot remember it at all and dan levy said that after her visit after her audition she lifted her shirt over her head and hid and slowly rocked back and forth oh emily does that just make you want to hug her I mean, I'm glad she's Stevie. She does a great job as Stevie. Amazing job as Stevie. And Stevie's a big part of the mm. show. And obviously, Sarah Levy, who is Eugene's daughter and Dan Levy's sister, is in the show. That's Twyla. I love Twyla. Twy. Twyla. And she didn't want to be cast as Alexis as she allowed her to do her own thing, basically. But I think she made a great Twyla. Twyla's an underrated she character. Is, especially the way that she shines in that last season. Incredible. Incredible. So let's talk about season one. So the premise of Schitt's Creek is that this family is very rich, like ridiculously rich, yeah. aren't they? Their business manager steals all of their money and they're forced to move to the town of Schitt's Creek, which Johnny bought in 1991 as a joke for David. Imagine being so rich you buy a town I know, as a joke. I love that. I love that life. Amazing. So they move to the town motel. They start to get to know the residents. The residents are... How would you describe the residents of Schitt's Creek? <laughs> they are kind and good-natured and just the antithesis of what the roses are, especially in that first season. So just like from completely different worlds. I don't know whether they're supposed to um, represent that stereotypical country bumpkin or if that's just the way the roses see them. Um, but yeah, I mean, the only, and um, we'll get into this later, but I, the only character I wish wasn't on the show is Roland, because Roland really pisses me off. Oh my god, I'm so glad you said this. I, yeah, I do. I can't stand him, and he's so, obviously you always need someone in a story to be the problem, you know, the troublemaker, and to stir things, but sometimes I watch the show and I think, why are you here? Yeah, he just, yeah. He doesn't add any value to me as a viewer. Definitely not. The first season is quite bizarre. So a lot of the people that make the later seasons aren't in the show yet. Like Patrick, for example. Ted's only in it a little bit. When it comes to the younger characters, so Alexis and David. Alexis has this arc where she is doing community service. She essentially breaks up Twyla and Mutt. I loved Mutt. He was so fit. I mean, I'm probably probably still is fit, but mm. yeah. So Mutt was Jocelyn and 
Roland's son, and he had a thing with yeah, Alexis. Yeah, I think you... so. I think he was that kind of thing that she needed to realize what she wanted or what and what's because you know up until this point she talked about being in all those like ridiculous relationships um oh my god the name, oh, drops. name <laughs> drops and just like every single alexis rose adventure needs its own spin-off remember the one about the somali pirates the yeah somali pirates the prince that locked her in the <laughs> yeah. castle zac efron all so sorts good. of we we should go through and actually list yeah. them all out that'd be a really fun exercise to oh, do actually so but her kind of character arc through the first season is kind of coming away from that spoiled it girl kind of vibe. Um, it's a bit more of a down-to-earth approach, mm. but not losing that kind of sense of her at all. David's David's arc's a little bit strange. It's it's not is it season one where he has a thing? Yeah, with I think it's season one. And then we find out he's pansexual. So. I, I think that is season one. Now, this is something that I found great because I think pansexuality should be explored on TV yeah, a bit more. Sure. Bisexuality too. And it was just good to have that and not, not have a massive conversation about it and just for it to happen quite naturally. I thought it yeah, was quite cool. Yeah, I love that metaphor about the wines. Like when Dave says he likes the wine and not the label. I thought that was great. Yeah, I like that. Anything else for season one that you liked? No, it was just a good... I feel like season one and season two became one thing for me because I binged them. Yeah, me too, so it's all just sort too. of float. I, I'm not sure I can tell the difference. So, yeah, season two, we get a little bit more of the Jazza Girls. So this is the town's a cappella yes. group. Um, it's like Tyler, it's... Um, Ronnie. Ronnie. Um, and she wants to join it. And I really love this because this is where we start to see music really blend its way mm. into the show. And music becomes quite a key part of Shit's Creek, do you think? Yeah, I loved it. I love... Um... It was it was nice to watch uh, Moira try and integrate with people that she did not want anything to do with in season one. Season two as well. So Alexis is technically engaged to yes. Ted, but she's dating Mutt at the same time. Because there was a mix up there, right? Which is he thought she thought he was leaving or something. It's a whole thing. When I first started watching Shit's Creek, I thought Ted was going to be in the show for a few episodes. I really thought Alexis and Mutt were going to be that kind of like mm. end goal. So I was really surprised the way their kind of relationship transgressed and moved on. And I grew to really, really love yeah, Ted. Yeah, same. And their relationship was one of my favourite parts of the show. And it kind of, with Mutt, it was kind of, like you said, it helped her realise what she, what she yeah. didn't want. He was a vehicle basically for her growth. Oh, damn, that was philosophical. Yeah. I like that. Vehicle for your own growth. This is also where David gets, like, not adopted by an Amish family. No, he gets lost. <laughs> and, and Oh, it's a season opener, right? Where he, like, gets lost. And, it's a season yeah, opener. And then he texts he text Alexis where he was, but she just hadn't responded. Or, and she's like, I'm sorry that I didn't see, like, one text, David. Such a classic line. Do it. This is also the season where David um, ends up working at the clothing store. Oh my god, yeah, what's it called? Blouse... Blouse Barn? Blouse ah. House. Blouse House? Blouse Yard? Blouse Barn. Blouse I Barn. I get that. Yeah, it's called Blouse Barn. Because he calls it Skanky originally, and then they hire him. Um, I really like this mm. arc for David, because it was quite good for him to see him like stepping out and doing his own yeah. thing. I think he... It was quite good because I think under his family, one thing you start to realise throughout the show is that how 
he was actually incredibly unhappy with how his family was before. His friends weren't really around. He kind of, he lived in New York, but he didn't really know, know anybody. And I think it's really great to see his kind of growth go through. And he kind of becomes a person that is business-minded and is creative and does have goals and visions and wants to achieve them. And yeah, he enjoys money and he enjoys his clothes, but he's actually got a lot more to offer mm. than that. Um, it's almost as if they, it kind of sets him free. The money kind of sets him free. Yeah, he definitely... Um... He got to kind of dabble in independence, I feel, in a way that he'd not before. But I agree with you. I think it was clearer with him from the beginning that he wasn't necessarily happy. Just kind of assumed that that's how his life was always going to be in the way that Alexis was happy and the way that her life was just a little bit fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Fucked up. <laughs> season two is also the season where we get the episode about the raw milk. Oh my god, yes. Oh, that was good. <laughs> Alexis then starts working at Ted's vet clinic. Oh, yeah. Another arc I really liked. I, do, I will say, as much as I loved Moira and Johnny, I did like seeing the kind of the Alexis and David scenes. Same. They were, they were a lot of fun and you kind of saw them like changing. Because I think Moira more and Johnny, they were at that age where they were adapting, they weren't really growing, were mm. they? They were adapting to this new life, whereas Alexis and David were really kind of... I mean, how old were they? How old are they in I think they're in their mid to late 30s. I feel like Moira made a joke about having, like... Yeah, I think they were sort of there-ish. So they were... F- really? Yeah, from what I remember. And this is also the season where Moira decides to run for local council. Oh, gosh, yeah. The, the, yeah, but they were um, in their late 20s, early 30s. But yeah, it was when... Um, wasn't that the one where her sign gets stolen or something and she goes crazy? Um. And going back to Blouse Barn, so David kind of gets involved in this kind of legal battle, negotiating a deal with another company that wants to use Blouse Barn, resulting in him getting a lot of money. And that kind of sets up, like, what's going to happen in the upcoming Mm. seasons and, like, whether David, now that he's got money, it's like that balancing act of now that he's got money again, is he going to go back to being, like, vapid again and, like, spoiled? Or is he going to use this to kind of better himself? And it kind of ends that season on a cliffhanger almost. I love that when um, he hires Alexis to be his, like, lawyer. That was great. Yes. so good. And, like, writes the number on a piece of paper and pushes it across. So good. It's so funny. So season three. So Moira's now in town council. And David and Stevie learn. Because, obviously, in the previous seasons, they have have a thing. And I quite like the David and Stevie relationship. Mm. Yeah, it was... um... I like that it wasn't, it didn't like ruin their friendship in the way that that trope usually yeah. would. Yeah, I mean, with that trope, you either, they either end up together or they never speak again. So it's quite nice to see another version yeah. of it. Because I think that does happen in real For life. Sure. So yeah, so David and Stevie find out that they're both sleeping with the same guy. He is so fit. He is quite fit, actually. I will give you that. He comes back in some later seasons too, but I thought this was quite a funny storyline because it's Jake, yeah. isn't it? How he's just so oblivious to how much of a tool he's yeah. being. It's just bizarre. But I did like how you had that another representation of bisexuality and pansexuality, yes. which is just natural in the show. Yeah. And I think that's like that's what I really like, that it presents love in the way that it should be presented and it should just exist in the world like a completely normal thing like it's not 
nobody ever acts weirded out nobody's ever ostracized or made to feel less than um it's just so refreshing yeah it's just different from like i mean we spoke about this on the show before how we need fresher Mm. stories on that community we don't need to see the coming out version every time we need to see you know like real life events that people deal with because there's coming out is just the beginning (laughs) literally yeah there's so much more that to that. Alexis goes back to school. Yeah. Which is very cute. And that's another thing. Ted does tell her to do it. And that's why I was like, okay, I'm feeling this relationship, helping each other grow, oh, helping yeah. each, you know, nurturing that relationship. And we get introduced to Patrick. Whom I love. Whom everyone loves. When Patrick first came on the show, did you have any idea of the impact he would actually make? Nope. I thought he maybe he might have been another sort of mutt character because I felt like David made like it looked like David was going to get a character that again was a vehicle for his growth but I didn't think he would be sticking around I'm so glad he did because at, st- at the start he's kind of like a business mm. um consultant or something like that with David cause David's setting up his own business which is really fun and interesting um and that kind of starts to open up um, this new journey for David. So they're opening the store. Patrick's going to come on board. And it's exciting. And I just love it. The season finale. So Alexis graduates from high school. You've got the Jazza girls who are in a gig. And, and Moira actually goes to the graduation. And you kind of get a little glimpse there of how little of a relationship the Rose parents had with their children. So they didn't go to Alexis's graduation. <laughs> Yeah. They didn't really do much with David. And you can just see it's almost like after a terrible tragedy, I mean, their tragedy is losing millions and millions of pounds. It's very different for other families. Yeah. But it kind of brought them together. And it's got that, I think, one thing that Shits Creek has is that really wholesome family feel, like a fuzzy, warm feeling. And it's really nice. Unlike other yeah. comedy shows. Yeah, it manages to be like... Yeah, exactly. Hilarious and heartwarming and exactly like at the same time. It strikes that really nice balance. And I think at the end of the day, it is like a fa- it's a show about a family. And I think any time that they, any time the show ends with some kind of growth for the four of them is like some of the best episodes, I feel. Yeah, hugely. By the end of the third season, we start to see that David and Patrick, there might be something more between them as well, which is a... Uh super exciting (laughs) um it's quite lovely is this where he sings simply best i think so or is that season four i don't know what season that is because i thought it was later on but it's around the time of the soft launch the show oh yeah that yeah he sings it because is it that we find out that patrick was married before to a woman or that there was like something he was hiding about being married i don't even remember oh no it is season four. Oh, okay cool. so when we come into season four mm-hmm. yeah sounds good <laughs> obviously david and patrick are starting to get a little more serious they're making the romance official and then we find out that david no not david sorry then we find out that patrick had a fiance and we find out accidentally don't we because it's a barbecue yeah and don't his parents accidentally mention it or something it's a whole big thing but again interesting to show that bisexuality yeah it's just crazy but yeah the episode we were talking about (laughs) is open mic which is episode six of season four and this is where they throw an open mic night to promote their shop 
and Davey's very nervous because Patrick is going to be performing. This performance, when he started singing, I didn't recognise the song. Mm. And it is such a beautiful, beautiful rendition of this song. And I listen to this all the time, I'm not going to lie. It's It was such a gift. It was so beautiful. And it was such an... How do you describe it? It was just... It was a serenade. It was a serenade. It was poignant. It was like... It was just love. Like, that's it. It was just love in the best. It was so love. Yeah. And it wasn't until that he sung that song that I realised how the lyrics were actually very beautiful. Because that song, essentially, Tina Turner, Simply the Best, you don't really put it on and listen to it from time to time, do you? Because <laughs> it's like a bit of a ballad. But when you slow it down, the lyrics were so gorgeous. And Noah Reed, who played Patrick, he put the arrangement together. Because he's a singer-songwriter, isn't he? He is a singer. He is a singer. Get it, Noah. But no, Dan Levy said that he burst into tears when he got the the sample back. But it's so lovely to see Moira in this scene as well. So Moira kind of reaches out and touches David's arm and apparently Catherine kept crying. <laughs> I get it. I mean, it was just... Oh. And, um, and, and, the, and obviously the show was like, well, I don't think Moira would really cry during that scene. And then they just had to roll with it because Catherine could not stop crying. That's so lovely. <laughs> It's so lovely. But I mean, that's one of the things that I think Shit's Creek has done incredibly well. I mean, in my experience from watching TV, I've never seen the representation of two gay characters be have that arc, that arc of like beginnings and then building up and then that kind of confession of love. S- obstacles, stumbles, mm. obviously the past fiancé and then we see later on in the other seasons the various things that happen. And I think Dan Levy, as a gay man, it must have been such a gift to be able to write that story and tell that story, which isn't necessarily teaching people anything. It's not educating people anything. It's just showing this love story. Yeah. And it's not about coming out. and It's not about struggling with homophobia. And it's not about struggling with obstacles. It's just a love story. Yeah. It's one of the greatest love stories that I'd say is on television and has been for a long time. For sure. And I think it really speaks to the authenticity, like you said, you know, Dan Levy being a gay man, like the power of authentic storytelling. He knows exactly what... He he just knows how to tap into that. And of course he knows how to tap into that. And it's just such a testament to kind of giving um, diverse writers and directors the room to tell these stories because people love them they do and it's refreshing i mean we joke about all the hallmark christmas films mm. we watch <laughs> but it's because it's the same story yeah exactly <laughs> another thing that happens in season four which i've never really been a fan of this storyline i'll be interested to hear what you think mm-hmm. roland and Justin have another baby i didn't understand why that had to be a thing like i didn't hate it but i didn't understand what purpose it served i mean when it first happened i thought okay maybe we're gonna see like roland become a little more mature or like i don't know just grow i was like maybe this is when roland stops being annoying to me but that never happened so i don't get it no it didn't and i felt like it was a way of forcing those characters into the main Mm. characters lives so obviously there's a i think moira finds out the gender of their baby because they don't want to know and then there's like a baby shower at one point yeah david helps plan Jocelyn's baby shower 
it was just kind of a way of throwing them in the mix, I think. And I wasn't interested in their baby. I wasn't really interested. I thought Jossie was a great character. But Jossie would have been a great character if, like, Roland got hit by a car. <laughs> and, like, we never saw him again. Yeah. Is that too harsh? No, not at is all. Is that too harsh? Not at all. And isn't the baby, like, isn't the, ba- isn't the baby's middle name Moira? Probably. I just like the way any time anyone talked about the baby, Moira would be like, Bebe. And I loved it. Bebe. Bebe. But who's going to look after the bebe? The bebe. <laughs> Her accent needs to be studied as oh like Oh my god, a, I don't even know how she does degree. it. It's incredible. It's just incredible. Season five is one of my favourites because so much happens. There's so much going on. So Moira goes to Bosnia. <laughs> of course, yes. <laughs> to film the Crows movie. <laughs> the Crows. Oh, she's oh, so good. <laughs> So that's like her main arc, but she does some bonkers things during this season. So she reads old love letters addressed to Johnny from another woman, which kicks off all sorts of things. She orders this really expensive red carpet gown for the Crows movie career. Oh my God, yes. That's a cute dress. Which which stresses Johnny out, which is completely understandable. Mm. She then takes the Jazza girls out for a night at the casino. Because obviously Justin's had the baby. And then we have Cabaret. So again, incorporating music into the show. You love to see it. And one of the things about Cabaret, we, we get introduced to the incredible song, A Little Bit Alexis. Uh, now, did you know that Annie Murphy wrote this? Oh, I didn't know she wrote it. Oh, what an icon. So she said she took inspiration from Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan. Okay, I can see it. Because they wrote songs. <laughs> I love it. So yeah, Maury does everything in her power to stop Alexis from auditioning for Cabaret, but Alexis does audition and she sings a little bit Alexis, which is apparently the theme's tune to her previous reality TV show. I love this song so much. Oh my God, same. I'm pretty sure I had it on, was it Spotify? Yeah, I think I had it. I love it. And again, she, she just came up with that. I love Annie Murphy. I love Annie Murphy. I really hope her career takes off and soars. Yeah, because she's in a she's leading a new AMC TV show. Is she? Yeah, Tell me more. I think it's called Kevin Can Go Fuck Himself or something. Are you joking? No, that's what it's called. Um, I think. Let me find it. Annie Murphy. That's mental. Yeah, and I'm like, oh my god, yes, I'm I'm just I'm so into this. Yeah, it's called Kevin Can Fuck Himself. Um, but they've obviously had to. It's like a dark comedy. Um, but they've obviously had to like halt everything right now because of COVID. So I'm hoping it still happens because mm. I just, yeah, I really want to see her just do leaps and bounds. Like Alexis became my favorite character probably ever in any sitcom, which is huge given how much yes, everyone knows yes, I love Nick yes. Miller. Um, oh, she's so good. She is really brilliant. David for the season is mainly about him and Patrick kind of growing and take their relationship to a new level. So they, they shop for an apartment. And it gets quite confusing because David thinks they're shopping together, but really Patrick was shopping. And Patrick's so understanding of David. And I really love that you get that balance of someone that's very eccentric and someone that's very laid back. And I think that's just like the perfect couple a lot of the time. A bit like Nick Miller and um, Jessica Day. Alexis and Ted. You need that kind of, not extrovert and introvert, but someone that's very... I don't know. Just need that balance. Yeah, you need that balance for it to work realistically. 
Hugely. With Cabaret, mm. Stevie gets involved. And Stevie does a performance of maybe this time, another hit from Glee, also from Cabaret. <laughs> and it's incredible. I cried. I felt like a, like a proud mum watching Stevie sing that. It was absolutely gorgeous. And you could just see the nerves in her as well. Um, they filmed that in front of a live audience. Poor Emily Hampshire. Like <laughs> I know. <laughs> they didn't learn from her previous no. experiences. Oh, but she did. She performed so well. And it was so nice to see everyone supporting her in that audience. I feel like the one thing with Stevie is that she's always felt, you know, so disconnected from her family and not really having a support yeah. system. Um, so it was really nice to see the Roses step up like that for her. Alexis and Ted during this season, it's kind of a strange one because this is where he decides he's gonna go to the, the Galapagos. Galapagos, yeah. Galapagos. And we kind of see that Alexis is so much in love with him that she's agreeing to go with him. And it's that kind of classic, I'm gonna throw back to the hills, Lauren, are you gonna go to Paris or are you gonna stay home with Jason? It's that following the boy thing. Yeah. It's a bit of a trope, isn't it? It is a bit of a trope. But I'm happy, well, like, we'll talk about season six, but I'm happy that it didn't yeah. fulfil that trope. Well, I was going to say, because at this point, when the in season five, where the kind of subject matter comes up, she doesn't have a Paris. She only has a Ted. Yeah. She doesn't have a Paris. <laughs> she doesn't have a Paris. She doesn't have a Paris. Um, season five, that's when Patrick and David get engaged. <laughs> I mean, a lot has happened in a relationship when you think about a short space of time. Oh, for sure. But when I believed you know, you it know. too. Like, usually yeah. I feel like it takes seasons for me to believe it, but with this one, I was like, yeah, I'm on board. I think sometimes they drag it out, though. Yeah, for sure. Angst for the sake of angst is not cute. Not cute. So season six is the final season, and Dan Levy said originally that he wanted to end it on season five, so season six was a little bit of a bumper. Now, I can see where they could have ended it in season five, so we wouldn't have seen the wedding. We would have just assumed that Alexis went off with Ted, that Moira and Johnny, Moira was going to revitalise her career and Johnny was starting to get places with the hotel business. I think the relationship between Johnny and Stevie is so lovely. Yes. And as someone that loves father-daughter relationships in TV shows, like you said, the fact that she doesn't have a family and Johnny comes along and it's just this brilliant connection where he looks after her and he supports her, and he helps her grow into be a businesswoman and help her with her presentation. It's lovely. And in those scenes in season six that we see, why the fuck is Roland there? Oh my god, he's so annoying. I feel like he gets more annoying every, just because he's sh sharing that screen space with Johnny and Stevie. Like, I just want Johnny and Stevie yeah. to be, like, bouncing off each other. He's always in the back doing something stupid. <laughs> so annoying. It would have been so much better. It really would have been. And it just become very frustrating mm. whenever he'd be on the scene. Um, but yeah, that's that's one thing that I really loved. And in season six, we really do see that kind of grow, and they go to New York. They go to New York, don't yeah, they? Yeah, for that pitch meeting. They go to New York for the pitch meeting, and it doesn't go the way they thought it was going to go. And then it kind of flips out, and they go with another person that's going to support them. It was just so great to see Stevie in those scenes. It was yeah. It's just so great. She's she'd come so like leaps and bounds from that first season, but they all have. Alexis is due to go to the Galapagos and then she realises that her flight ticket is not for another month. Typical Alexis. Sorry, 
Kara's just walked in. She's staring at me like, what are you doing, Mum? Hi, Kara. Oh, I'm, you can't see on the podcast, but Kara, oh, Kara's sniffing the mic. Oh, kisses. Oh, very excited. What did you like about Shit's Creek, Kara? Because you watched a lot of it as a poppy. Oh, she's whispering. She said she liked Ted and Alexis. Me too, girl, me too. One thing, there wasn't enough dogs in Shit's Creek. That's true, but I can't, I don't think the roses were dog people. No. I don't get that from That's them. I do thing. feel like David and Patrick moving in together, Patrick would get a dog though, and David would like ultimately become like the dog dad. The dog dad. Yeah. I could totally see that. I could totally see that. So during this season as well, Moira's, sh- Moira's film, The Crows, really does kind of take off. It lands on a streaming service. There's, it's a massive hit. We have the premiere. <laughs> oh my God. The premiere from like hell or the premiere from genius. I don't know. It was amazing. <laughs> So Alexis essentially during this time where she's not in the Galapagos because her plane ticket, she becomes um, Moira's PR agent, and she does a really great job. So good. And again, you've got that great development of Alexis. I mean, tell us a little bit about this because you loved Alexis in the last season in particular. Tell loved... us about why this is so important. Because we, I mean, we've got that. She becomes this like independent woman who doesn't need. I mean, she needs support like everyone else does, but she doesn't waver in her like in her own in her own self and I know that's something that we see with Alexis generally over the seasons we see that she believes in herself she's very confident in herself but we've reached a point now where her confidence is also competence like she knows we trust in her ability like as an audience we trust in her abilities but also she does she's not afraid to fight for what she wants because I remember there's that scene where like later on in season six where she tells her mum she's like you you should fight for what you deserve like she's just like this She's just such a powerhouse. Like, I would watch an Alexis spin-off. Me too. In New York? Yes. I'd watch Alexis in New York. I'd watch David and Patrick on their little cottage house with all their dogs and kids. There's so much potential for this show. Mm. But it's the growth of Alexis in particular where you see her. She almost kind of, like, relapses after her breakup with Ted. Can we just talk about her breakup with Ted? Yeah, because this affected you. You were, like, devastated. Because I didn't see it coming. Mm. Because I saw, you know, they had this cute long distance relationship where they kept missing each other and they were Skyping, which is something I've been through with a long distance relationship. And then he comes back and he has that kind of ultimatum where he's got this new job and he is potentially going to be gone for a longer amount of time. And they just decide to amicably break up. And he tells her that she should pursue her career instead of coming to be with him. Yeah. I'd, honestly, I'm getting emotional thinking about it. Yeah, it was... I'm glad that that trope that we expected, that she would just follow him, um, didn't... Like, it didn't come to fruition. But yeah, it was sad, because they were a healthy, supportive, helped each other grow um, kind of a relationship. I just guess it got to the point where being in love wasn't enough or maybe it was enough that they were happy to not be together if it meant the other one was happy so it was just like such a mature wholesome completely heartbreaking um breakup i think that's why it was different because it wasn't like with tv show breakups it's always something dramatic yeah someone cheats on someone it was very Mm. mellow very low-key one scene where they just simply agreed obviously i'm getting quite upset (laughs) Because it's just so lovely, and that's it was very realistic because that's what happens in real life. Yeah. So many occasions where you just it's not the right time. Yeah. And you'd like to hope and think that in 
five years or ten years time they do work it out and get together and have that lovely life but I thought it was an important part of her growth mm. just a heartbreaking way yeah. to end the relationship for sure and I think again it's 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 um the show centering love in even the bits that are sad like with Alexis yeah. and Mutt they didn't end on bad terms with um with Jake they didn't end on bad terms like if, if it was all up and no one had a blowout. So we've had our time, so we're going to briefly talk about the end mm-hmm. of the show, which is David and Patrick's wedding. So obviously throughout the season six, there's lots of obstacles they face. There's weather, there's getting the right venue, there's getting the location. This wedding was so beautiful and so well done. I've, I re-watched that episode three times after watching it originally. Yeah. The music is gorgeous the jazzer girls with this gorgeous version of simply the best and then patrick honestly i'm getting emotional now i can see patrick does always be my baby it was so cute i can't it was perfect and we didn't have to see the after party we didn't have to see you know roland making a fool of himself mm. or something like that it was just so well done and it's hard to end a show like this. Yeah. Where, like, it could have gone on for a long, long time. It could be on, like, season 15. We could see all of it. But for it to end and... I'm just glad David was essentially the lead of the show. Mm. And we just saw his arc and Alexis's arc. It was just absolutely lovely. Yeah, it's my favourite episode of any TV show ever, which is huge. Like, I didn't think... Huge! Yeah. I just... It's my favourite wedding ever, ever. My favourite wedding. I love that Alexis decided to wear a wedding dress. Oh, that was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was incredible. You're wearing a wedding dress. And Catherine O'Hara is like some bizarre priest. Incredible. Honestly, her next to Jude Law. <laughs> Catholic. Goodness. Amazing. Incredible. The show in itself, it went through so many ups and downs. It really showed a journey through all of the characters and I think it's a, I think it's a brilliant show mm. to have in the background. It can cheer you up. You get attached to these characters. You cry. Um, it's an incredible show. And like I said, we've run out of time majorly, but we love it. Love it so much. But one thing I will say on Ted and Alexis, Dustin Milligan, who played Ted, mm-hmm. said that they felt so strongly about the relationship that it was about the notion that sometimes love alone is not enough to sustain a relationship. I love the And it's so true. Yeah, sure. I love that Dustin Milligan got something after he was chucked off 90210. Yeah. Rudeness. Mm. That's the end of our show this week. I've got to go back and rewatch Shit's Creek now. I'm going to go listen to Simply the Best on a loop, I think. Let us know what you thought about um, Shit's Creek, what your favourite parts were. Did you hate Roland as well? Or maybe you loved him. There might be some violent stands out there. Maybe. Some shit stands. We'll be back next week. Bye. Bye.